Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to this week's episode of The Great Canadian Songbook, where we come together and we, you know what? In a way, we're writing the songbook, or rather, we're editors of the songbook, I think would be a more uh, appropriate way to say it. We're creating the catalog, if you will. Yes, exactly. So, uh, yeah, just maybe just to recap last week, uh, we're forming uh, this bracketed list of uh, the, some of the greatest Canadian albums and we're going through them, eliminating them, educating both ourselves and everyone else about a little bit of history and then how that fits in. Uh, so last week uh, we had Pup's Morbid Stuff go up against Our Lady Pieces Clumsy. Uh, Pup came out pre- Prevalence isn't a word, but they prevailed. Uh, um, uh, And then we also had, because we're doing two matchups for this first kind of round, we also had Bare Naked Ladies Gordon go up against the guess who's Wheatfield Soul and uh, the guess who clinched that one. And I believe, uh, based on some feedback, Keegan might have something to share about that. And and let me just just say that I think this was a very good piece of feedback in, in hindsight. Um, my, one of my rationales for picking the guess who was that they had such an influence on Canadian music. And when I kind of sat down and thought about it and from said audience member, um, uh, upon their critique, um, our lady piece probably had a pretty significant impact on the Canadian music scene as well, maybe in a different way, but for the same justification, I chose the guess who, and then didn't <laughs> choose our lady piece. So I would like mm-hmm. to apologize for that and say mm-hmm. that going forward, my rationale will be more concise. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think on that note though, uh, the, the math, the matchup between our lady piece and puffs, a little more difficult to compare those things, uh, a little unfair to, uh, uh, criticize uh, impact in an album that's only been out for just over a year. Um, but I do understand it and I respect it and I appreciate said feedback. So I love it. it was great. <laughs> yeah. I think on that note, uh, as opposed to maybe going over all of our previous failures, we uh, dig into a new set of failures or successes, depending on how the audience reacts. So, Keegan, what you got for us uh, in our first matchup this week? Our first matchup this week um, is Shania Twain's The Woman in Me from 1995 up against City and Colors' Bring Me Your Love from 2008. Um, I should probably preface this one by saying I'm a very big City and Color fan and I am not a very big country (laughs) fan. And so you could see where this might end up, but I'll do my best um, to kind of lay out the facts and... uh, kind of take the uh, the discussion where it may go. Um, what I want to do is start out with Shania Twain today, just because I have less to say about it, but also because I think with, with City and Color, I think we can have a, a, a deeper conversation about it, um, just because mm-hmm. I think, Jackson, as well, you, you probably have a better yeah, knowledge. I'm, I'm also... My- I'm going to say for right now, more familiar with City and Color before I uh, <laughs> dig into preferences. It's neutral. I like it. Um, but yeah, well, you know, we'll just jump right into, to the woman and me, Shania Twain. Um, it's the second studio album by uh, Canadian country singer Shania Twain and her first to be produced by longtime collaborator and then husband, uh, Robert John Mutt Lang, a uh, very mm, big a name. We'll see, uh, we'll see a couple times <laughs> at least I think in this, uh, series. Yeah. I, I believe he's done a lot of production on, on some Canadian records, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and this was released on February 7th, 1995, so we were not in existence yet. Um, and it went on to become her biggest selling record of all time. I think it sold 4 million copies by the end of the year um, and certified diamond, which I don't know how the certifications work, but I know that is very good. Um, on December 1st, 2000, um, after 12 million shipments five years later. Um, the, the thing with this album that I'll say first, um, it sold like 20 million copies worldwide. Um, ranked number eight on CMT's list of the 40 greatest country albums uh, in country music in 2006 after 11 years of being out. Um, very, very good country album. Very well received amongst country fans um, in, in that scene. Um, what I noticed for for this particular album, and I, I don't really have a deep dive on a lot of the songs particularly because I do think that there's a sense of similarity between them, uh, but I'll get to that in a minute. Um this album is definitely a break in what you saw in country music in 1995. Um, you basically have this cross between old guard country and kind of some more familiar names that we know nowadays that kind of the mid 2000s, they kind of took over. Um, you had your um, Tim McGraw, obviously you had your uh, Shania Twain. Um, I believe there might have even been some Vince Gill in there, which again is a little bit older, but mm -hmm. a good mix and mash. Garth Brooks. Um, Garth Brooks was also in there. Toby Keith, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, might have been in there. A little bit later, I think. But Maybe a little bit later. Um, we're, we're both we're both pitching out of our depth <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> we, we don't know what we're doing. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, but... Um, it's, it's a break. It's definitely a, a, a clear difference. And even the sound, I just did a couple of the other records that came out that year just to kind of er, uh, put the sound into comparison. Um, a very modern feel from what we understand as, as country nowadays. Um, if you're going to listen to anything over the past 10 years in country, chances are it sounds like this album, um, which is interesting because this album didn't really fit in the mid nineties. Um, I mean, the Eagles just released it in 1994. I think, uh, they had a record come out, um, not extremely well received, but I mean, the Eagles were still kind of on the scene. So you can kind of see how that, um, might have been, uh, in comparison, I guess is the best way to put it. Now, what I want to get to with this album is that, like I said, it is a very good country album. I think that it did a lot for country. It is the reason that I think country sounds the way it does, or at least a partial reason for that. Um, it does have more of that rock sound to it, not just like a wholehearted um, country pop, but there is, you know, you got your electric guitars, you got your, your some harder hitting drums on some songs. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a country album. And what I will say with regards to the content is that lyrically, the album doesn't do anything for me. Um, the credit that I'll give it, and I think I'm going to touch on this a little bit more in, in the other albums as well today. It's written by Shania and it's also written by, um, Mutt as well. All the songs are written by the two of them. Um, it's a songwriter record. It's all personal. It's all stuff that they're writing. They're not bringing in a bunch of different people to do it. Um, and, and I'll, again, I'll put an asterisk on that because I want to talk about that later. Um, it is a personal record in that way, but you know, the lyrics for me, uh, are all love this, love that sappy country play this at my wedding, um, which is good in some ways. It's a feel good country rock album and, but it feels like it came straight out of Nashville. It doesn't feel like it came straight out of Canada. And, and I, I want to make that distinction today, actually talking with a couple of these, because I think it might be 
good um, for like criteria for wh- how I think uh, going <laughs> forward to kind of to put that out. Um, like leaving is the only way out. It just sounds like take it to the limit by the Eagles. Um, it like slowed down, which for country is not really uncommon. I'd say that's a, a kind of a common thing. Chord progressions, what have you. Um, it's a big country country album. It does a lot for country. I can recognize the importance that Shania Twain has on the uh, the country scene. And again, this being her second album, she obviously did so much great work after this as well. The album itself, um, I uh, it, it didn't feel authentic to me personally. It didn't really feel like like an honest album. And Jackson, I'm curious to know what you have to think about that. But I, I didn't get anything from it personally. Yeah, um, I um, in terms of in terms of country music, I I grew up in a, a very small uh, Ontario town where like I'm just predisposed to. L- listening to country i wouldn't say necessarily liking it so like i'm just more like when i listened to this i was like oh this is this is country music like this is like like as you've already said like this is this is what country music is like this is what it sounds like um and it was kind of like i had to like double check like like the year this came out i was like 95 like that's early for for this sound it's like it it kind of represents that kind of like I wouldn't say second wave gets a little too quick, but like that, like time where like right before, like I feel like country has gone a little more pop oriented in like the past 10 years or so. This is like the kind of that like middle area between like the, your more traditionals versus this. And then like, it kind of goes on, you get your, like your Florida Georgia lines, your Blake Shelton's and all that. Um, this, it, that kind of blew me away a little bit. I was like, this, this sounds just, this is distilled country music. Um, and I guess, to get to your point about kind of authenticity or whatever. Um, one thing I know uh, about kind of the singer songwriter, and then this just kind of popped into my head. I remember this, we m- might talk about this later on in, in the series is the influence of someone kind of like Mutt Lang, who is a producer's producer. Like the man is there to produce successful records and by all intents and purposes, that's exactly what happened here. Uh, this is a huge country music album, yeah. um, but getting to the point of distilling that down into kind of Shania, a Shania Twain album, what that means, to be honest, I don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> but I feel like um, I can kind of see, I, like I would never make any definitive points about this, but I can kind of see where that idea of, authenticity comes to mind whose boots have been under your bed um stuff like that any man of mine which is like a bit of a banger and oh yeah i'm being yeah. honest <laughs> um and I, I i'll never be like the guy who like snobble like comes up here and bees just like the, these songs aren't about true deep like <laughs> i need to talk about some serious issues here which we'll get to later this episode because i think yep. i'm about to have some hot takes later um <laughs> But uh, yeah, this, I, 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 I want to say this isn't because I don't just, I just don't really care for country music that much. Um, but I, I can't say that definitively, but yeah, this is a long way of me saying like this, this album didn't super do it for me. I listened to it and I was like, oh, okay. Listen to this, some country music. Uh, Shania Twain was born in Canada. Cool. Yeah. And I think that's what it comes down to for me is like, it's not 
like the fact that she was is a Canadian is not good enough for me here. Like mm-hmm. it's it doesn't it doesn't do that that thing that I think all of the albums that we talked about last week I think all those met my my criteria. Yeah, it was of like, a very interesting week. You know, and and, and we're going to talk about that again later in the episode, which I'm like super stoked about. Um, mm-hmm. But like when I listen to it, I'm like, I, I just I, I can see why it's good. Uh, like I, and mm-hmm. I appreciate the one like some of them are really bangers, like they're good songs. And and short of sounding like a snob, like, oh, this music doesn't like it's I can't appreciate this because it doesn't do this or technically <laughs> I don't want to sound like that. But like there, there are some songs as a not country fan that have come out in the past few years of like, you know, your Luke Combs or whoever it might be where I listen to it and I go, oh, wow, that's a really powerful song. Like that really like that's really getting at something there. Like even uh, that Jason Aldean song. Uh, oh, Christ, I'm not going to be able to remember it now. I, um, I don't got your back here. That's OK. I think Morgan Wallen covered it um, and I'm going to look it up really quick um, just so I don't. Go to like quick. a live fact check on this show already. I, I can't find it. Oh no! Um, when I listened to yeah, Morgan Wallen covered it. Um, damn, I'm not gonna be able to find it. Cover me up. There we go. I listen to a song like that, and I go, "Wow, that's a really powerful song. That's a really good country song. That really makes me feel something. Wow, nice." There's not very one nice. song on this album where I went very nice. Um, yeah. Like it's not one time and. It's not to dismiss it as a, a a bad record. I wouldn't say that it's bad by any means. I, I think it is a good record. Very well produced. Sounds great. Written well. Um, mm-hmm. But it's an album for charts. And yeah. I don't know if... And I'm going to touch on this more, I think, as we go. I don't know if a good Canadian album is made with the intent of being a chart album. And 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 I'm gonna put an asterisk beside that because I think and and we're gonna talk about this more today. Yeah, I think maybe it's a case by case basis. And again, that's certainly my bias. Yeah, I think part of that is um, if you intend to be a quote unquote Canadian artist, it is literally impossible to be a charts artist. Um, so I think that's where a lot of that comes in. I think that might be. Um, that, that that's structural because like the industry is in the United States. Um, so you can only really exist in the United States and be super successful for the, like barring, uh, like, like I'll just say like the tragical hip is not a successful band outside of the no. Canada at all. does not mean that they're not a great band. Um, so like the idea of, I, I, I agree with you in this only in the sense that, it will, it will just never happen. So like for the most part, you're not producing a Canadian record, um, because you're in the States and because you're recording, uh, with like a major American record label. Yeah. Well, it's like, and we'll talk about this, I think in probably after the break, but it's like, uh, Celine going English. Mm-hmm. Great to get successful in like her again, like as soon as she, she went more that direct route skyrocketed, obviously, I don't know if that does it for me and that'll be a conversation for later. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I'll, I'll leave it at, it's a good record. I do like the sound of the record. Um, uh, very well produced, very like a, a great thing for, for Canadian music to have this, this mm-hmm. singer go into a Nashville and go into the scene and kind of help shape it. Um, I think that's really significant um, for me as one of the best Canadian records of all time. I'm not sure. 
Um, yeah, and, and I'll leave I, my thoughts out that. I, I want to know what you have to say, though. Uh, I, I think over overall, I, I just agree. Um, I think even even talking about kind of production wise, how like this has got to be like influential on like country music. Like, I think that's really impressive, but I think for maybe for our purposes, this one doesn't really uh, fit the bill, especially in comparison to uh, the the record we'll be talking about next, which I think unless you have anything else to say, I, I don't really. No, nah, now I'm excited because I get to, you know, I get to really go into it now. Any man um, of mine is, is a pretty good song, but that's, that's what I'll, that's what I'll end with. <laughs> You know what? Just for that reason alone, we're not even going to talk about the next band. We're just going to leave it. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the next one that we do have going up against um, Miss Shania is City and Colors Bring Me Your Love, 2008. Um, this was also the second studio album from uh, from Dallas Green as City and Colors. So both of these albums are the second album. And we talked about this last week. Always the hardest to make. Um, yeah. And I thought that was really interesting with with this record, particularly. Um, this one was recorded at Catherine North Studios in Hamilton. Um, we have some good friends that actually are recording there right now, which is funny. Um, and it took a more folk-oriented approach from his previous album, um, Sometimes, which was from 2005. Uh, that one was essentially just a guitar and piano. This one, you have um, mandolins. You have all these amazing, amazing sounding instruments um, that you wouldn't really expect, I think, if you were a Alexis on Fire fan turned City and Color fan. Um, it just kind of seemed like things kept progressing. Can you maybe explain that connection uh, to to the people? Oh yeah, sorry, my bad. Um, Alexis on Fire. If you didn't know, um, they are a Canadian, uh, I guess, uh, metal band. I, I'd probably be the new metal, not even new metal. Um, what are they classified as? <laughs> yeah, you, you would think it's easy, and then you introduce uh, our city and color, our <laughs> friend here, who post hardcore emo melodic hardcore <laughs> screamo there you go that's what that's the just a bunch of got. words just a bunch of words really um it, so dallas green was is the uh lead singer i guess now again um for for that band they are a five-piece band um they usually have three vocalists but he was like the lead vocalist um and also guitarist alongside wade mcneil um and uh, yeah, he was doing that project. They all did that together since I think 2000, 2001, if I'm not mistaken, putting their first record out in 2002. Um, very, very popular very quickly um, on the Canadian scene um, for what they were, because they were a very different thing. And um, out of that, Dallas Green uh, found that he needed to express himself a bit differently um, because these two projects, let me tell you, are probably the most opposite that you'll ever find from a single artist. Aside maybe Dallas Smith, but that's a different thing for, for a different time. Um, so anyways, his 2005 record, sometimes purely acoustic album going right from, you know, screamo, emo, all this like crazy stuff. Um, very much a departure. Um, so what we're seeing with Bring Me Your Love is kind of a, uh, a progression of that from Dallas Green, which I thought was really cool. I hope that gives enough a uh, little bit of background yeah. information for uh, for the listener. But um, Alexis on Fire, uh, an honorable mention uh, in the Great Canadian Songbook. I wanted so badly to put Crisis in here um, and it, it just didn't, didn't make the cut, unfortunately, which was... Uh, kind of cut me deep um and but that's okay because we still have dallas on here which is great um this record honestly um to to throw some two cents in before i get to some more stats uh really 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 strong record 
um, front to back, I think there's not a bad song on the record. Um, I just want to put that out there again. And, and like we've said before, there's going to be some very heavy bias in this. Um, and and yeah. you're going to see that, especially uh, right now. Um, I'm a big, big, big fan of City in Color. Um, as a songwriter, Dallas Green, I think, is probably one of the best um, mm-hmm. in the modern day, at least. Um, and this record obviously was very successful. Um, it came out in February of, uh, 2008. Um, but by October, 2008, they put out a two disc, uh, limited edition copy of the record. Um, 6,000 copies were made available and people crashed the website and it sold out instantly when they put it up, um, for a band going on the second record. Very impressive. Um, especially in the new kind of online age, launching it on MySpace and, and all these sort of things, which is really cool. Um, the great thing about this record to contrast with what we were saying with with Shania and what I was getting at particularly, it feels like an inherently personal and authentic record. Um, all the writing, all the songwriting was done by Dallas Green. Um, not to take away from 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 Shania's songwriting on the last album at all, but all these songs were what I think Dallas Green wanted to do as an artist and how he wanted to shape it. And he brought in other artists to help him with instrumentation or whatever it may be to, to help refine that around his idea of what he wanted his songs to be with Shania's album. I felt personally that it was more not Shania's album, but more Mutt Lang's album, um, which is fine. Um, but for me, the authentic, uh, I guess the honesty of the album for bring me your love is what really just strengthens it quite a bit. Um, you know, one of the title or one of the first tracks on the record is confessions. It's about being alone, trying to be honest with yourself and your faults, things you've done wrong. Um, a lot of the album is about death, um, which is, uh, uh, pretty prevalent throughout the album. Um, but most importantly, I think for me with this record is that as amazing as it sounds, because it does sound, um, audibly very very good the lyrics in the songwriting on this record i think are are the best of city and colors uh the best even from from alexis on fire personally having known a, a bunch of their catalog um there is something inherently inherently deep and honest about what dallas green is trying to say on this record um you know we look at body in the box people searching for a better or body in a box pe- people searching for a better way to live their lives um we celebrate lives of the dead it's like a man's best party only happens when he dies um soul is still searching for the light like all these like very spiritual and like deep things um and that's what kind of that's what gets it for me um and i don't want to turn every record into like oh it's like super emotional and like deep and that's what that's what does it for me yeah let's cry yeah like if it doesn't make me cry i'm not even considering it (laughs) um which might be a fair thing by the time we get to the end of this but we'll see yeah um yeah i i I don't know Mm -hmm. it's they're two vastly different records that's for sure um Similar, maybe in terms of if we want to look at genre, maybe you could kind of draw some distinctions there. Um, I just, it's a very, um, very poetic album. I'm going to, I'm going to put it at that. And and that's what does it for me. It feels more honest. It feels more open. And it feels like Dallas is trying to say something as opposed to just talking about whose boots are underneath his bed. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So uh, I'll contextualize what I have to say with uh, The Girl by City and Color is the first song I learned how to play on guitar. So um, that'll kind of let you know where, where I'm at. A very easy start uh, for people, if you're curious. Uh, the key of G uh, feels real nice uh, to play. It sounds good. So yeah, check check that out. Uh, a hot, hot guitar tips with Jackson. <laughs> um, anyways. Uh, so yeah, to kind of with that, like the girls, obviously like one of my like favorite songs, um, of city and colors. And I, when I was in like high school, I was like, Oh, I love this album so much. And I forgotten cause I hadn't listened to it in a while. Uh, this is one of those things where I was like, Oh, is it going to be where like, I only really, really love like a couple of the singles, like some of the ones that I remembered before listening is like the girl, uh, sleeping sickness, even like uh, constant knots and yeah. what makes a man are like songs that I really remember liking, but no, like every single one of them, man, I, I was, I was nervous. I was, I was like, <laughs> Oh no. Like, is it only going to be, is it one of those nostalgia things where you think you loved all of this, but you only loved a couple songs? No, it all hit. And I think kind of to your point that you uh, said earlier, I think it's important to contextualize kind of the city and color project as at least at this point, still a side project where um, Dallas Green's like, hey, I'm kind of fed up with uh, not fed up so strong, strong, but he's like, I want to, I want to like literally do something totally different and express myself in a different way. And I think that's where you see a lot of the kind of things you're talking about of like really deep, personal, emotional themes where like as an artist, your kind of main, your kind of secondary outlet is in some ways where your most personal comes out, especially when you're like a successful, what's the word post hardcore band. <laughs> and now you're like, okay, now let me sit down with my guitar and see if anyone will listen to what I actually, actually have to say. Yeah. And, and, and that's a fair point too. I mean, to aside from a couple years when I think they, when they broke up Alexis on fire um, and then they just got back together after like three years anyways. Um, they you know it was just a side thing up until little hell um which is 2005 to 2011 um alexis on fire break up in 2012 2013 uh dallas green makes um i think uh hurry in the harm he, does that, he did that album with pink didn't he yeah he did the you and me with pink great album by the way very yeah. good um that, that was that that wasn't a jab just to clarify yeah yeah no yeah yeah <laughs> he did the pink album <laughs> the pink album music from big pink um ooh. ooh um yeah no like he he did a lot in the time frame that they were away and then i also he did if i should go before you um and then they kind of got back together and then he did the live album and then he did his most recent album so for all intents and purposes he really only made two records where it was like his primary thing yeah and, and it, the amazing thing for me is the fact that as a side project he was able to do this damn album like <laughs> yeah. it, that's the thing that i'm like how are you like one of the most successful like probably bands in canada at the time for what especially for what they were um mm -hmm. with such a cult following um how do you go off and write this deeply beautiful and amazing folk record like like mm -hmm. what the hell that blew me out of the water um yeah and, and this and, and to to your point as well like this was my introduction to to city and color as well um you know the girl also was kind of introduced to me by by someone else in my life and i went oh that's a really good song 
And then I got Sleeping Sickness and I go, oh shit, that's Gord Downey on that song. Yeah, yeah, I I didn't mention that part. And and that's, that actually, I think, sorry, I cracked my voice a little bit there. That is something worth mentioning because you're bringing in someone who this guy, like Dallas Green probably idolized Gord Downey for like how many years? At least, at least a decade and a half, if not more by this time. And you know, that should say something, too, about literally bringing a Canadian icon that you open for on tours hmm. into your body of work. Yeah, it's an understanding of the culture. I keep doing air quotes, but because this, yeah. <laughs> this is an audio show. Uh, so I'll, I'll clarify my 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 enunciated words better. <laughs> No, it's good. I, I I like it. I think we we both know that we're doing the air quotes. So if you ever yeah. like, if you can sense our energy over the microphone, know that we're doing air quotes. You know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I don't know if I have like a, a great. Granted, I could talk about this album for a while. Um. I'm gonna mm-hmm. try not to, just because we do have other stuff to to get to. But the thing, mm-hmm. uh, and I'll give some context real quick. I had a show that I did for three years on like on Radio Laurier and it was titled against the grain and this song, man there, I I think there's not a better piece of Canadian songwriting that has come out in the past 20 years. And I know it's a bold statement and probably very ignorant, but you know, the words you need to not, or you need not to climb mountaintops. You need not to cross the sea. You need not to find a cure for everything that makes you weak. Um, like, when the wind blows against the grain, you got to follow your heart, man. Like, and that's, that's it for me. You know, that's, that's all I need to hear. And I go, you don't need to do all these big things. You just got to do whatever feels right. And when things are going wrong, just just follow your heart. And that Mm -hmm. speaks to me and and not to be like a sap about it, but that means more than again, boots under the bed. And that's just, that's, that's what I'll leave it at yeah. for me, but I, I want to hear what you have to say too. Cause I, I, yeah. I know you'll probably have a different opinion. Yeah. I, 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 I do agree that like, I, I think we're, we're already leaning to this one, just kind of being the, the clear and obvious winner. Um, I, I think something about this album, as we go on this journey to create the greatest Canadian album, we have to decide what is the Canadian album. And perhaps this is something we will talk about every single episode of the show um, because uh, scholars have been trying to answer this question for years without answer. So we will decide, but there is something uh, I think for me, just kind of maybe re-clarify positions that I might've said last week might've not. Mm -hmm. I think it has a lot to do with, I think where you do your work um, affects it a lot. I, I would say, I guess, mostly songwriting, I think kind of seeps into that. So like the, the fact that as we'll talk later, like this, this album was filmed in Hamilton where literally like people that we've known are like recording stuff there uh, as you've shared. And like the idea that what is the Canadian album? It's like the understanding of it too. Like you get Gord Downey of tragically hip on this album. Like you, you know what you're doing there. Like that's, that's a, you're doing it for the culture. And I don't say that with any air quotes. <laughs> I mean it literally this time. Um, I think that's definitely part of it. And then just, it, it you know what? It helps that the album's really great too. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's some really great, I, I think, yeah, this is one of those ones where I was like, Oh, like it can be a couple tracks, but no, I think every single one of these is really, really fantastic. And, Honestly, like 
like I love sitting color all that they've done. I, I haven't really heard an album exactly like this from them or him, I guess, since this, like I, I do like the expanded sound of kind of bringing in like the electric guitars of like, if I should go before you and stuff like that. Um, but I think this is really a, a fantastic distilled version of that sound. Yeah. And, and I'll touch on two things real quick, just so as not to take too much time. Um, on, on your last point there, I was actually talking with a friend um, when we were talking about what they thought was the best City and Color album of all time. And they were like, oh, like my friends, like they disagree. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, OK, like let's chat about it. Mm-hmm. And and the cool thing that I think I, I realized, too, is like if you look at sometimes from 2005, and then you take um, his newest album, um, which I, again I can't remember the title of it. Actually, I think it's called a a pill for loneliness or something. I'll be honest, didn't care for it very much. Interesting. Okay, so maybe that's a discussion for another time. Um, <laughs> but you know, when you look at that, there's a clear evolution of sound. You start I with guitar with and piano. Yes. You kind of move to more instruments. Then when you get to Little Hell, you have something like Fragile Bird, where you kind of have some like harder hitting drums, a little bit more of like a like a post grunge kind of sound on that song. You get into Hurry and the Harm, and I think you have, um, uh, what song is it there? They have a couple that go a little bit um, harder. Sorry, I got to do research on the fly here. Um, Mm -hmm. When you have something like, uh, I think Ladies and Gentlemen is kind of what I'm thinking of. Um, Thirst, that's the one I'm thinking of. Again, a bit of a harder song, still kind of mellow album. 2015, If I Should Go Before You, you have something like Woman, which is just an electric like ballad, which is great. You know, so so what I'm trying to say is that there's a progression as an artist, as looking for sound, which I appreciate. Um, and, and that's I would agree that that that's what makes, I think, this album so distinct is that it's it's so different now from what he's doing um, mm-hmm. currently, but it still retains that that honesty. And, and so yeah. to to lead on my last point here, because I wanted to touch on this before, but I think it's going to segue us into um, our next artist as well. I think. For me, I'm starting to realize that the like my criteria for what I think is like my Canadian album, what I think is good. I think location, like you mentioned, is important. Whether it's a mention of it in in the lyrics or the art, or if it's where it's re- was recorded, location I think is a biggie for me um, mm-hmm. on Canadian albums. Um, I think honesty and a feeling of authenticity. And, and that's obviously ambiguous, you know, that doesn't have set parameters, I don't think, but there's a feeling, um, I think that I get when I listen to some of these songs that I go, okay, maybe this has that thing and this doesn't have the thing. Mm -hmm. And, and I think for, for me, at least like, those are the two criteria. I think that I, I've, I've been looking at these albums going, does it feel like it's authentic? Does it feel like it's an honest, like artistic representation of what, what they're trying to convey? And, and you know, is, is that a real thing that can be tied to some part of Canada? Um, that's it for me. Like that's, that's kind of how I've been looking at it. And I think that might be how I continue to look at it. And, and I just wanted to know what your, your kind of thoughts were on that before we move to the next artist. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I, I agree with you. I think, um, for me in terms of deciding what authenticity is, I think is a little, is hard, hard to parse, especially as we kind of transition into different types of albums, which I tried, um, in terms of when putting together, I, I tried my hardest to like put on like a variety of different, um, 
cultural backgrounds and genres and musical styles and artists to kind of maybe shake up that idea of maybe what authenticity is in music. And uh, I, I 100% agree, like, by no means am I disagreeing that uh, Bring Me Your Love is an authentic album. I, I think it might be the most authentic. Uh, but I think it'll be interesting to see kind of where we fall on what's like authentic. And then I, th- I think a big part as, as we'll get into is Canada is in terms of also one of the things I at least was trying to keep in my head when putting on albums is, um, is the, is the production side. Like I, I think back to kind of like learning about what makes a Canadian content on the radio. So like the, the maple. So it's the music, the artist, the production and the like location, I think the last one was like live where it's recorded. I really yeah. put myself on the spot there. I don't know why <laughs> I did that. Um, so like, just for example, um, going forward, like I wanted to include a Drake album on here. Cause I think he's clearly a Canadian icon, but I didn't want to do anything post um, views. I think is the album with Hotline Bling and stuff on it. Where like, right. I feel like he kind of became more of like an international and like more American kind of artist. So that's why I kind of pushed forward or like earlier. So you'll see also like for a lot of these artists, we're including a lot of their kind of earlier works because as I said previously, like kind of in order to be super successful outside of Canada, you have to leave Canada. Right. Um, which um, is, I think uh, a good transition point. I think we can kind of agree that like it's bring me your love for this one. I think it's kind of a no contest. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not sure if there are any Shania Twain albums that would really for for me based on I think what we've talked about even come come to the same effect um and so mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's pretty cut and dry for this one yeah yeah and then so kind of on that point of like leaving Canada I think our next two albums uh kind of segue beautifully into that so uh why don't we go and do it then so uh for my portion of, of the broadcast, our, our next uh, kind of collection of albums uh, is Songs in Love and Hate, or 1971, from Leonard Cohen, and uh, 2015's Emotion by Carly Rae Jepsen. So I think um, it's maybe best, also it's the order of my notes, to start with uh, Cohen's album. So uh, as kind of we've done before, we'll hop into a little bit, little bit about Leonard Cohen himself. Uh, the man has had a long career uh, both as a poet, a writer, a musician, and then uh, he's done a bunch of other stuff too. So Canadian legend to say the very least. Um, yeah. So Leonard Cohen was born uh, in 1934 in uh, the affluent suburbs of Montreal, Quebec. Um, he, uh, you know, one of those musical household kind of things. Uh, he went to McGill University. Uh, I always like to call it the universities. I think it's so fascinating where all these people go to school for whatever reason, uh, if they do. So I like, I like to call it out just because we go to university and I think it's pretty cool, at least for me. <laughs> we do go to university. That is, that is right. Yeah, yes. no, I, I think it's cool. I think um, not that there's like a, a type of person that goes to certain universities, but it's interesting to see whether like, do they stay local? Do they kind of go farther away? W- what are they mm-hmm. doing? What's their mindset like? So I think it's a good point. Yeah, that's, uh, that's why like last week I was like, oh, I went to UFT. I know where that is. The, the lead singer of Our Lady Peace. I know where that is. I've been around there before. Uh, makes these people more real uh, in a weird way. Anyways, so back to Cohen. He's um, 
kind of a really interesting figure. I was doing um, more research on him than I thought I was going to because I was like, ah, there's too much. But then I couldn't stop reading. And I, so I didn't include all that anyways. So Leonard Cohen didn't record an album until he was 33 years old, um, which is interesting, I think, because, you know, like the hustle, you got to start young. Um, but the, the man is a poet through and through, like in the sense of like his lyricism, but also like he is a published poet uh, <laughs> before, during and after like recording music. Like, and I think in my opinion, that comes out in his songs, in the uh, which I will say later. But yeah, the man is like, a poet, not in like a metaphorical sense, but a very literal sense. The man writes poetry. Uh, yeah. And so before I move on to the actual album, I'll just say like the man is huge. He's been inducted into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame, Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame, the the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And he's uh, he's been honored as the companion of the Order of Canada, which is like the highest civilian honor a Canadian can receive. Uh, so the dude is a big deal in Canada, to say the least. However, uh, Songs of Love and Hate uh, is his third studio album, uh, released uh, in 1971, as I said. It was recorded 100% in Nashville, Tennessee. Very interesting. Uh, the man gives off, I'm going to say this like 10 times during this discussion, the man gives off huge Dylan vibes. So I'm like, oh, he's from New York but he's not. Uh, so yeah, this album was produced by Bob Johnson, who produced basically all of Bob Dylan's like mid to late sixties and like onto the seventies work as well as Simon and Garfunkel. Uh, he also did a whole bunch of Johnny Cash albums in the sixties. So the man uh, had a prolific career producing albums that sound just like this one. He also produced a whole bunch of other uh, Cohen albums as well. Um, yeah. So songs in love and hate um, was like very like, well-received uh, critically and commercially. I found this very interesting. Um, commercially, the album only sold like 750 copies and topped out at 145 on the U.S. Billboard Top 200. So the man, if in some weird way, is like huge in America, but not really that popular in America. Interesting. Um, which... It, it was interesting too, because I, I went on to kind of, I just got onto a tear. So I just went on and like read a whole bunch about him. And like in the mid eighties, he was just like not dead in America. Like he had no success. He had to have like people help him like gain back his popularity. And then he recorded Hallelujah and was kind of like an institution for the rest of his life. <laughs> um, yeah. A very interesting, um, one of those things where you go, Leonard Cohen, yes, the famous singer songwriter. And it's like, well, kind of. Uh, so yeah, but enough about the man, although I think that will, at least for me, factoring to kind of talking about him as a music. So yeah, Songs in Love and Hate um, is an interesting album for me listening to it. Uh, you, you can tell really when you listen to it that the man writes poetry first and music to go along with it. Um, in my opinion, to the album's detriment, uh, it, I, I listened to it and I'm like, I could be listening to a Bob Dylan album that has equal, if not better lyricism, in my opinion. And I just like his sound of music better. Um, but yeah, I think I've talked enough for right now. We'll maybe circle back to me. Well, songs in love and hate. We, this is the one we didn't really talk about. How are you feeling about this? This was very interesting for me. Cause I'm going to be honest with you. I've never really listened to Leonard Cohen in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as a canadian and maybe we can touch on this that might be a disservice i'm not too sure um 
you know, you think of Leonard Cohen, you think of Hallelujah, obviously. Um, and you know that he is a, a he know he's a Canadian. Like I I I like yeah. I said, I've barely heard him, but I knew that he was Canadian and I knew that he was an important Canadian. Um mm-hmm. I I enjoyed this. And mm-hmm. I I think that's because I'm a Bob Dylan fan. I am a very mm-hmm. big early Bob Dylan fan. Um, yeah. 1961 to like 1964. Um, quite frankly, don't care for much of his stuff after that. Um, I agree. Favorite Bob Dylan album. Let's go for it's it. It's Free Will and it's not even close. Um, yes. It's not even like remotely <laughs> close. None of his albums compared yeah. to that album. It's not, it's not a competition. Um, Absolutely. I agree. So good. Like, and, and that's, that's why I like this album because I, I already know Leonard Cohen is a, like was a big Bob Dylan fan. Um, he was riding on kind of the Bob Dylan train a little bit. Um, obviously having the same producer kind of helps. Um, you know, it's, it's very, very, very clear to see what he was trying to do. Um, mm-hmm. the, the lyrics I thought were interesting, but too poetic. I think I would agree with you there. Yeah. The thing with Dylan is that Dylan poetry is not really poetry. It's more like a storytelling. And, mm-hmm. and I like, I like when a story is being told. That's something that I think the Tragically Hip do very well. That's something that I think Rush does very well. It, like, lots of Canadian bands, but I'm, I'm just going to kind of point to those specifically. And again, something Dylan did very well. Obviously not a Canadian. Um, very good record. I, but the, the, when I'm listening to Joan of Arc, I liked the song. But it just, you know, there was parts of it where I went, what the hell? Like, like, what, why are there certain things that you're talking about? I just didn't get some of the concepts. And that's what kind of drew me away from it. But on the whole, quite honestly, good sound. I like the, the, the fact that he can't sing very well. Um, in my opinion, um, I, I, I kind of like that. I like that raw aspect of, of the record. Um, Dress rehearsal rag I thought was very good. Last year's man was my favorite on on the entire record. Um, mm-hmm. Too poetic. Yeah, this is very very interesting to me because I don't is strong. I I don't. I'll just say I don't like this album because I'm a Bob Dylan fan. For me, which is obviously the exact opposite of what you said um before before i go into more i just want to tell this story it's not super relevant but um so i i've seen bob dylan in concert i saw him a couple years ago straight up one of the worst concerts i've ever been to in my entire life (laughs) so bad i saw him while he was touring uh when he was doing his whole jazz thing um i guess and the man comes out plays music oh yeah i think i might have seen him in a similar i think i saw him on that tour i saw him in i saw him in barry actually uh awful sound in that venue as well anyways uh, and he <laughs> he comes out he plays music for an hour and then he just leaves and at the end he comes he doesn't come back for an encore but his last song he's playing a song and i'm like okay and i get halfway through i'm like it, he's singing blowing in the wind I couldn't tell one of the most iconic, but anyways, I was still, my tangent is Bob Dylan, uh, is not a good performer anymore. Anyways. Um, so for this album, it's, I just feel like, um, I, I think 
I don't want to say I'm too dumb to get it because I don't, I, you know what? I don't think I am. I think, and I don't want to say that I don't want to listen to music that takes like multiple listens to like really sit down there and really dig into, um, and really like think about and analyze. Cause I think I do like doing that and there's value in doing that. So people should make music like that. But this, the, there was nothing like on the first couple of listens that I was like, okay, I need to, I need to listen to this and like really think about it. I think, um, he has kind of this really powerful, like command of the written word and like writing stories. Um, I don't think the music really adds anything to it. Uh, and he should just, <laughs> let me tell Leonard Cohen Stick what he should writing. do. He should just, <laughs> yeah, which <laughs> is a dumb thing for me to say. I don't know why I'm saying it, but I just, yeah, I feel like he was like, Hey, you can't make any money being a poet. That's dumb. I should be a famous musician, which from what I read is kind of actually what he did. Uh, if I'm like boiling it down to its most basic. And I think obviously the experiment worked, uh, but I just think he, he seems like someone who is way more interested in like writing poetry than writing music, which is a different thing to me. And that just kind of makes it kind of like, Oh, you're, you're just kind of writing stories and playing a guitar with your friends to it, which is like, ah, yeah. oh, it's, 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 it, it, which is not to say that it's bad. I just, uh, I don't know. I didn't, didn't do it for me. And I kind of knew this going in that I'd, li- I'd listened to some Cohen and I'm like, uh, he, he's a very smart man who writes very like powerful phrases, but I just, right. I don't know. I'd rather listen to someone else sing his words. Yeah. No, I, I think they're all good points. And like, and to, to actually contrast, like having never really heard him and then listening to it, I was actually pleasantly surprised, which is, uh, I think the first time that we've had a kind of a difference of, uh, yeah. a view on it. Um, yeah, I, I, I think the similar things that, that, that I think you're saying have been said about Dylan have been said about, yeah. um, even Gord Downey in some cases, which some people I'm like, really? I'm like, you're going to say, okay. Um, but you know, there is certainly that element and I, um, I, I do get where you're coming from there. Musically, it's not strong. Mm-hmm. Um, in my, in my opinion, personal opinion, but I, I didn't hate it. I didn't mm-hmm. love it, but I liked it. Um, and I think it, it has a good command of, of, the language and of the writing but not having necessarily the same command on the music is kind of what gets it for me yeah i think um also to to our previous points um i i think in terms of the great canadian albums leonard cohen skirts into this just by being a, a legendary canadian in this way um like I said, this album made in Nashville sounds like it was made in New York, um, written about, you know, Joan of Arc and like being burnt at the stake in like the 1400s or whatever, which, uh, maybe isn't, isn't like really what the point is here. Um, uh, so uh, yeah, I don't, yeah, um, I'm a little, if it's not clear, I'm a little down on this one, Uh, not to uh, discredit one of the most popular songwriters (laughs) of all time, but sorry, sorry. Uh, 
sorry sorry buddy <laughs> yeah and 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 on that point and i'll end on this for for myself not to make the same mistake that i made last week i think if we learned anything from from the other two albums that we just did too we could have easily gone shania twain amazing musician amazing canadian musician she's obviously too influential let's she's the one that has to take it if we were using that criteria leonard cohen shania twain would already be both wouldn't even be a question because, you know, mm-hmm. Carly Rae Jepsen, she's been around for 10 years. Who cares about her? Sidney Collar, he's only been around for 15 years. Who cares about him? I think it's a good point to make. He did the album with Pink. Yeah, exa- that's the Pink guy. <laughs> um, no. You know, so like, but but I think it's good that mm-hmm. we're not looking at it like that. Because I think it's so easy to say, hey, this is Leonard Cohen. Obviously, Leonard Cohen goes forward. And, and, and mm-hmm. not having not talked about the last time, I th- obviously, we're going to wait on that. But it's good that we're not doing that because I don't think that because someone is famous, they deserve to automatically go through. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think I've said, you know what I've said, I think like four times, I don't think anything. I think I've said my piece is what I think. (laughs) So, uh, unless you have any, uh, responses or anything, I think we can move on to, uh, our next album. All right. So um, in a a freak turn of events, going up against uh, (laughs) Leonard Cohen's Song of Love and Hate is Carly Rae Jepsen's uh, also third studio album, Emotion, which you know what? We had two matchups that in a way worked and in many other ways very much did not work. Did not, no. So So, uh, Jepsen uh, was born in 1985 in Mission, BC. So she was born after this previous record we talked about came out, which is fun. Um, she, uh, because I'm obsessed with school, she graduated from the Canadian College of Performing Arts in Victoria, BC. So good for her on that one. Uh, for, for Canadians, perhaps, she's most famously known for uh, participating in the fifth season of Canadian Idol, finishing in fir- third place, which she said was, quote, the best outcome, the all the exposure minus the horrible, horrible contract. <laughs> so <enough>. good for her. <laughs> um, and for everyone else in the world, including Canada, she is best known for her absolutely massive single Call Me Maybe, which came out in 2012, um, which she has, in reading, very much distanced herself from in a very interesting way. Um, not, not so much distance, but has been like, hey, that really messed up my career, um, which is interesting. Uh, and so, anyways, kind of bouncing off that point, Emotion uh, is her third studio album. I uh, kind of uh, it's been defined as, as like synth pop to pop kind of. Um, and in research, uh, she said a lot of stuff like, Hey, call me if it was massive. I need to like kind of refocus and try to kind of go my own way a little bit, I guess. Um, which however that comes out, uh, in the music is, I guess, up to the listener. Uh, I actually pulled a quote that I thought was interesting. Emotion had to not be about trying to prove something. I feel like if you're writing music, just have a different identity in the public's eyes. It's sort of the wrong motive. It's going to be coming from a place of what you love and what you're passionate about. So a little bit of frame frame of mind going in here. Uh, Emotion was released to like moderate to positive success. Uh, it depends on what you consider success, like eights, maybe not 7.5s to eights. Maybe that's success to you. Um, but it was nominated for a bunch of Junos and also nominated for the Polaris Prize, which uh, we've mentioned in last week's episode. Big Canadian 
deal um, for, I guess, for some people, maybe not for others. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's uh, Emotion by Carly Rae Jepsen. I'm, you know what? I'm just going to say it. I loved this album. This thing was bonkers. She went off on this. Uh, Keegan, I get the impression you're a little less impressed. Tell me about it. I So I listened to this in my car today while I was, I was driving around the city. Um, and I had probably like an hour or so, which was good for the album. And I was, I was like deeply listening to it. Cause you know, when you're driving and you're like, you know, kind of in your music, there are at least three songs on here that were on my work playlist for the past four years. I shouldn't have to elaborate on what that does to a person. Um, <laughs> and, um, I, oh my God. So that would be run away with me. Um, making the most of the night. And gotta be, I really like you. Right. And I think. It, I really, uh, really, I think so. really, 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 yeah. really. And, 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 that's and I heard those songs and I have never skipped so fast in my life because I knew them off by heart. Um, I like the sound of this record. I love, I love that eighties synth, like the pop feel. Oh my mm-hmm. God. Awesome. I love the idea and the feel of this record. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I absolutely despise when there are 20 different people writing your album for you. Mm-hmm. That, and I, 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 and I knew it before I even looked it up. Um, mm-hmm. and, 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 and let me, I'll, I'll, I'll say real quick because I know that that's not necessarily fair. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some good songs on this record. I think that it is a, a good chart record. Doesn't do it for me. Here, here's the here's the thing for me is one this album wasn't a chart record it was for all intents and purposes a commercial failure yeah um which i think is interesting um and yeah as 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 we've done kind of both of us have done we, we've like shared the producers of the albums and for the past couple it's been one or like the artist and a producer maybe a couple other people um but this is kind of getting into kind of the first and you know we'll see this in the future this is just kind of a different way to make music than yep. some of the albums or at least uh, the other albums so far that we've listed so like uh, I, I wish I could run through <laughs> these producers and like the, the, my issue my issue isn't that there's like a whole bunch of them it's just like none of them are particularly like pop out like yeah. I'm just gonna click on the first one so Ariel Reichland um, he's produced for Haim, Vampire Weekend, Madonna, Usher, Adele, Charlie XCX uh, who I've said twice in this show she kind of slaps too. Uh, shout out to her. He also produced the hit number one single, Hey There Delilah. Ooh. Anyways, so kind of you kind of get the idea of what they're working with here. Um, and I will say uh, just another thing off your point before I have any original thoughts is <laughs> the, the, the synth pop thing and like the synth kind of like vibes, like the 80s thing. It, it's really interesting because that's become super popular in the past couple of years, that kind of revivalism. Like yeah. um, even this year, like Blinding Lights by uh, The Weeknd is just like a synth wave album. Uh, even like Dua Lipa's Future Nostalgia, which is, mm-hmm. in my opinion, wouldn't exist without this album, whether you like either of them or not. I think it's true. Um, I like Future Nostalgia a decent amount. Yeah. And even like you think about... Um, the Unka Gems soundtrack counts. If that's something anyone cares about, I certainly do because I think that music is great in that movie. Um, but yeah, I, I feel is interesting um, kind of to contrast with something like Shania Twins. Where I'm like, oh, this is what this is what country music sounds like now yeah. to kind of listen to this and be like, oh, I'm starting to see kind of the shift towards this kind of synth pop sound kind of coming back uh, in an album that came out in 2015 or 
and it was recorded like before that. Interesting. But yeah, yeah um, I think uh, the issue, so my mind, when you say a lot of producers, my mind goes to that new Green Day album. Oh, uh, no poster you're not that guy oh my god <laughs> disgustingly terrible album i don't know why they chose to do that to themselves right i i, I don't want to sound like a pretentious ass but like holy shit that's bad and they put out the the that poster at where it was like no swedish producers like haha it's just us that's like well just you made a really bad album um so I, I i agree that there is merit to stuff like um the amount of people that go into a record can certainly affect the way it sounds either like a jumbled up collection of singles or a coherent cohesive album yeah um uh, i was gonna name an artist that i super like but they're a little problematic so i don't want to attach myself to them <laughs> uh but for example kind of like i don't know why i'm getting into the weeds on this but like Not if sure. you think back to like 2014 ish you think about like the beck versus beyonce debate and yeah people were like oh beck produced this album with one hand tied behind his back playing all the music whereas beyonce put out an album that was recorded written by like 40 people and like both those albums are great yeah um and there's merit to both um production styles um it's just what is good is good and bad i think is how it ends up um while there is kind of i think okay let me let me boil it down to like one sentence i think more often than not too many cooks leads to something bad but that's not to say that the existence of a lot of cooks is bad that's it's fair and and so i'll i agree i'm gonna agree with you because i think the thing that that is is wired into my brain is that over like oversight in music i hate because all of the Mm -hmm. bands that i grew or not grew up with the the bands when they did their earlier works that i really like they went into a studio, did it themselves, and had no help from anybody, and so it's turned me into a snob. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's just what it is. Like I think of the first. <laughs> that's not me going. Mm-hmm, like yes, you are. A snob, no, no, no. But, I know yeah, I am. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> like it's when I think of the first Foo Fighters record, I go. Dave Grohl went into a studio, wrote everything himself, played everything himself, and did that entire record on his own, and kickstarted an entire new like like post grunge genre. Mm-hmm. And I think about stuff like that, and then I also go like, oh, you know, like. Blink-182, they were just a bunch of kids from California that just went in and made like really fast punk crappy music with no production and then they got huge. And then I think, Mm -hmm. okay, the most recent Foo Fighters album, Greg Kirsten produced. Um, I don't know if you know who he is. Um, No, I'm not familiar with the name. Pop producer. He's never produced a rock Mm -hmm. album up until Foo Fighters 2018 album. Um, And then I think about what Blink-182 has become. And all the production and the alternate writing that they're doing on their their stuff now, and so mm-hmm. the the what I'm trying to get at is like I I am, rec- I recognize the fact that like I am like a a production snob, and that when there's too many people doing it for me, that doesn't feel like an authentic thing. Like hey, like I said mm-hmm. in the last episode, I love Blink, love them to death, but their last album. I don't think any song was like singularly written by any one member of the band. Mm-hmm. And that bothered me personally because I, because of what they had come from. Yeah. That's not to say I, that I they're, think, they're, they're mm-hmm. bad records and I'll just finish on that. It's not to say that they're bad records. I, it's just something that I am trying to 
distance myself from because I've been been like that historically. And and, and it's not to say that it's a bad mm-hmm. record. It's just the way I've been trained. <laughs> yeah, th- there's um, I think there is a hundred percent um legitimate perspective to be jaded by music industry people coming in and like let's make as much money as possible yeah. on this album um and that is a hundred percent a legitimate because that is exactly what happens for the most part in yeah. popular music uh production um i think uh yeah i agree and i think I have to kind of end and move on to actually talking about the album because I, I don't know enough about like who was sitting in the studio. Yeah. And to me, I think at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if I like how it sounds, but um, I will agree that like the more often, I think it's, it's especially apparent in artists who start out kind of doing their own thing and then go on to be kind of messed up by yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, that's yeah um yeah i think um to get to emotion i think the weird thing about emotion um is when so, so i listened to the album and then i googled it right and when i googled it i was actually like surprised to see how many people had how many cooks were in the kitchen on this one because i was like man this woman is so happy to be singing music right now. And I am right there with her run away with me. Yes, I will. Carly, I will run away with you. Um, I'm yeah. I, I, you know what? I, I had to walk to my brother's apartment to deliver him to something, uh, the first night that it really snowed here and I listened (laughs) to this album and that walk so easy, such an easy walk. Um, even something that like, is inherently obnoxious as I really like you. I think it's sung with such sincerity that I'm like, ah, she really likes him. That's so cute. (laughs) There's, I don't know. There's something about this one that just like really spoke to me. And like, I've, this is actually this week is the album I've listened to and come back to the most. Like obviously spoilers, I'm going to prefer city and color down at the end of the line. But like in terms of just like listening over and over, it's like, even in the background, it's just like, it's like exciting to listen to. Um, the energy's high, um, to the production's point, I think it sounds great. It's like super exciting to listen to like the energy of the production, like the synths, uh, even like, and then I, I think, um, uh, Jepsen, like her, like writing isn't like uh as obviously is not leonard cohen level Mm. in terms of like death and complexity but i think there is an art to writing something that's just fun to listen to and like isn't annoying even like thinking back to something like call me maybe is like a pretty annoying song but for some reason like it's kind of okay to listen to. And I think these definitely hold up better in that regard of like, Oh, they're kind of like goofy pop songs, but they all kind of like work. And I'm not like particularly offended by any of them, which I'm really excited to feel. Yeah. It's fair. And, and I, with that said, like, I don't dislike the record. Like I actually think it is a pretty good sounding record. I I do (laughs) like most of the songs. Um, and, and and to be quite honest, like like between both of these, I don't really have a strong preference one way or the other, um, mm-hmm. because while I really liked 
Leonard Cohen's album for the writing and the lyrics. With emotion, I do like the sound of it. I, mm-hmm. I think it's got a good sound. I think it, it's it's easy listening. You know, uh, you don't have to think too much on it. Um, it's pretty like this is what I am. This is what I want to say. It's right there. Like you don't have to, you know, go Google the lyrics afterwards. You're just like, okay, I can hear it. Like it, you know. Um, and it, it's fun, and I I liked it, and I think, and I did a little bit of research too, and I think with this one, she was trying to be more authentic, and like you said before, kind of take her time, um, with this one, whereas the last stuff maybe wasn't as um what she wanted to do, like with call you call me maybe and all that, um. And so I respect that. And I actually think that that some of the stuff ev- that she's even doing nowadays um, is pretty good. But but to your point, I it's a good record. Um, it's definitely not my favorite. Um, but I, mm-hmm. I, 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 I again with Leonard Cohen, I don't hate it. I don't love it. Yeah. I like it. Um, I have. Yeah, I have. I have one last quote here that I pulled when doing my research. And it comes from Caitlin White of Uproxx, and she writes, I think emotion wouldn't be as meaningful if we had to share it with capitalism's steely machinery. Its commercial failure is part of what makes it continue to feel intimate. It's ours. And I don't know, I'm not uh, following the words of any writers when I decide what I like, but I liked those words. and I thought it was funny. <laughs> it is, it's pretty uh, topical, um, yeah. I think it's funny that, um, uh, I don't think it's funny. I think... Carly Rae Jepsen is a very interesting figure in like pop music because I think she's like she maybe was I don't think she could be anymore but she was like one step away from being like the biggest artist in the entire world uh, and I guess that's like a really interesting kind of career trajectory to take to it, it seems almost like intentionally kind of pull back from that a little bit and like hey if all of these songs made me super famous, that would be cool. Um, but it just, even like if that isn't the case and she was like, Oh, I'm doing whatever I can to be super successful. It's very interesting. Um, kind of how I think potentially, like even if this album came out like three or four years later, it would have been a lot, lot bigger. Mm. Yeah, I, I can see it. And I, I I'm kind of with you, kind of with you. Mm-hmm. I, I here's what I think we should do. I think we should remove another album from our list and add her 2019 album dedication somewhere. Just kind of toss it in somewhere. <laughs> That's what I take. Yeah. Um, okay. I think, um, I think we should still, uh, we should, we should maybe decide. I think we should still talk yeah. about, cause we keep talking about this Canadian thing and I'll be honest, like uh, for all of my praises of this album, is it Canadian? Who's to say? Um, I also didn't share where it was recorded. That's because this album was recorded literally all over the world in different places. Uh, here, actually, I have the list. Oh, wow. uh, it was recorded in S- Stockholm, Burbank, Santa Monica, um, Hollywood, LA, New York, Nashville, Jesus and Vancouver. Um, but that partially comes with um, the territory of working with a lot of different people. Mm. Um so yeah, n- not everyone can be Kanye West and fly people out to an island to come record for him. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think maybe that is something to consider. Uh, she is, um, or at least was, under a label uh, founded by Chad Kroger. So it's technically still a Canadian label. So I think that's interesting. Um, so what makes this album Canadian? Is it 
people who work worked on it. Not really, aside from Jepsen, unless one of her 20 producers was also Canadian. I did not read up on all of them. Uh, um, but I don't, I think, um, there, I think, you know what? I think if we're talking about authenticity, I think Jepsen's got it. Interesting. I like that. And, and, and but because the thing is, when I look at both of these albums and I go, is either one Canadian? No. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, there's there's not weirdly enough, there's no convincing argument to tell me that they they valued that in what they were doing or when they were writing it or recording it. Like it not not to take away from the fact that it's they're ba- like they're not bad albums. I think they're good albums. Yeah. But they're not I don't really know if they're really Canadian. Mm-hmm. I think I think both of them in a way to, to much different degrees ride on the fact that they're just famous Canadians. I think mm-hmm. even if Jepsen like didn't do Canadian Idol, maybe she wouldn't be, but I think that's a big part of it just because everyone goes, ah, yeah, Canadian Idol. Remember that? I've been to, I went to two tapings of Canadian Idol, I think. <laughs> it was weird. I had a weird childhood. Um, I don't remember really any of it that much, but yeah, anyways. Uh, yeah, Canadian Idol. What a what a what a series. Maybe you know what? Maybe I was there when she was performing. I don't know. I can't remember. Uh, but yeah, it's like they are Canadian, but like nothing is convincingly like. There's no statistical or like recorded evidence aside from mm-hmm. them just being Canadians. I, I'm just gonna say it. I'm going with Carly Rae on this one. It's difficult because now I'm thinking of the comment that you made last week that with a two-person show, it's very hard to break the tie. Yeah. Um. For the for the sake of me not having a very strong opinion, because I don't, mm-hmm. quite frankly, I want to say Leonard Cohen, um, because I think like w- when I think of it, I go Leonard Cohen Canada. Um, mm-hmm. not, not mm-hmm. so much for like any particular reason. I just like, you know, it's like, you ever hear the phrase orange man, bad, um, about yes, <laughs> Donald Trump. One. it's like Canadian man. Good. I, uh, that's what my brain thinks. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. but, but because I don't really have a strong opinion on this one, it would probably be unfair to pick that record. And so I can see where you're coming from and I can appreciate with the Carly Ray. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to agree with you because I don't have a strong opinion. Um, and you know what that means is I'm going to have to agree with you at some point no, later on. No, 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 no. It's, it doesn't have to I'm equal out. Just, no, 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 it's okay. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I probably will, but I don't have to. Yeah. It's And, and listen, um, I, I, I do like both albums. I think they both have their faults. I think they both have their... Um, uh, they're, they're, you know, the things that make them good, their benefits as well with, mm-hmm. with the city and call record. Frankly, I don't see any negatives to that record. Um, with mm-hmm. Shania Twain, I can kind of see some negatives to that record. So it just, it, it's subjective. Yeah. Um, it, it, yeah. and it's going to differ, right? I think if, um, Leonard Cohen recorded songs of love and hate in like a cabin in Montreal or something, <laughs> it would be a harder fight, which is interesting to me about what, how little stuff changes this, um, this, this, this beautiful journey we've been going on. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it does. And it's not gonna, it's not gonna stop. That's for sure. It's just going to keep on (laughs) rolling. In fact, in some ways it might only get harder. Yeah. Anyways, on (laughs) that 
surprisingly somber note. <laughs> um, uh, this this has been. Oh, I, I need to. I need to. I need to tease next week. So that means I also have to look up what next week is. Uh, I can yeah, do commentary. So, uh, <laughs> I, I got I got it already. So that was uh, that was the second episode of uh, that was the second episode of the Great Canadian Songbook. Just to really quickly review, City and Colors, Bring Me Your Love, Beat Out, Shania Twain's Woman and Me, and Carly Rae Jepsen's 2015 Smash album Motion. Beat out Leonard Cohen's songs to love and hate. Um, if you have any songs to love and hate to send to us, uh, <laughs> you can tweet at us at GC Songbook uh, with any of your uh, hot takes or unpopular opinions regarding these albums or us, I guess, and our opinions on them. <laughs> All press is good press. Uh, um, yeah, so make sure you check that out. You can also... Um, no, you can't do anything else. Uh, you, you, you know what? That's a lie. What you can do is you can tune in next week and you can listen to us go head to head again from Joni Mitchell's Blue and Avril Lavigne's Let Go. Uh, bad, those two are battling out. And then we've got, uh, there's acronyms, Buffy St. Marie's album. Mm. That's a PIB acronym. Um, and I can't remember. Power in the Blood? What the- Power in the, yes, it's Power in the Blood against Blue I, Rodeo's Five Days. I deeply apologize. So, this one is my fault. I, I just like acronyms. <laughs> that's you know what? That's okay. The other ones I think I can get. Um, yeah. So for yeah, just for me, um, I think all of these albums are going to be fairly new to me. I've listened to a little bit of Blue Rodeo. Obviously, Avril, big fan of. But uh, yeah, this is going to be an interesting matchup. Uh, I don't have really any dogs in these fights. So let's see, maybe I'll try to get another weird, uh, weird win out with Avril, but we'll see. Uh, it's going to be exciting. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I'm, I think, I'm pumped. Yeah. It's just going to be, you know what? It's only like, like we said, it's only going to get harder and it's only going to get more contentious. Uh, so get excited. Yes. Uh, tune in. Uh, and now tune out, tune out, just get out. no more we're done yeah that's it Uh, I think I said oh Canada last week so until next week oh Canada oh oh, Canada we're gonna go with Canada